Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we are getting ecstatic today. We are rolling, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Picture us with pacifiers around our necks. Fix vapor rub. We're chugging water bottles. You know it. That's because we have the long-awaited couple, Charlie and Shelly Weininger, who are here to talk about being in their 70s and doing MDMA and having mad, amazing sex on it. Hashtag couple goals. You guys, Charlie literally wrote the book on it. It's called Listening to Ecstasy. I haven't done ecstasy in several years, probably like at least... It's getting embarrassingly long. It's like eight years, probably. I think it's been like (laughs) 10 for me, dude. Yeah. Anyway, this conversation made me ready to... I was like, I got to go find some roles. (laughs) 100%. We were like, we need to molly up instantly. (laughs) Yeah. Because what they talk about isn't just about sex, but about well-being and about love, about growing older, happier having the best years of your life ahead of you and just really like having beautiful experiences and relationships. And they were just so cute. Yeah, they seem so freaking happy. And oh, I just have to say, Charlie dubbed himself at one point the love doctor. So we are in very good company. (laughs) (laughs) They're also really hilarious. Like they give each other so much shit in the most hilarious way. It's just obviously true love. Yeah, if there's any point where it's just Charlie talking, you can just picture Shelly next to him with this adorable smile on her face, just being like the cutest. So, And she has a little pink tuft of hair right in front. I know. Which was so cute. I know. I, I literally, I'm like, be our friends. <laughs> yeah, what's it like to know that they are so much cooler than us? <laughs> I actually love it because I love to see older people just doing their thing and living their best life. And I think that's inspirational for all of us. And it's just a really nice antidote to the youth obsessed like world we live in, especially in Los Angeles. So without further ado, Charlie and Shelly, here we go. For the long-awaited MDMA episode. Oh my God. We've been teasing our listeners. I feel like they're going to be so hyped to finally hear this. So welcome to the show, Charlie and Shelly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
We are so excited to have you guys. Before we get to the MDMA, first dive into the love story. How did you guys meet and fall in love? Oh, you're being way too presumptuous. We, we're not in love. Are we? <laughs> Don't you see we have a split screen? We're yeah, not well, even together. We're not even together anymore. <laughs> we split up. <laughs> yeah, we split up. We don't like each other anymore. Um, but this is a magic split screen. As you see, we can kind of... Yes. Oh. <laughs> but we're... Um, are we still in love, do you think? Absolutely. Okay. Not. <laughs> Yes. You guys still have your sense of humor, so that's good. Uh, I can't take her anywhere. I've only, I've only hung out with him for 20 years, longer than I was married to my ex-husband. Congratulations. In a nutshell, in 1999, I separated from my husband. My two kids, who were 15 and 17, went to live with my ex. I still was working. And uh, after a few months of just going from work home, work home, work home, I decided to just to meet people. So I went to a, a Y, it was a YMHA near, nearby on my way home. And I stopped in and just hung out with people. And I looked around, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> These people, I, I felt like I was like the first, the only man who approached me. It was a singles event. So. Yeah, the only man who approached me was like a seventy-year-old gnome. He was about, <laughs> he was about three <laughs> foot two, and all I was missing was this little gnome hat. And I'm like, oh shit, this is what I'm going to attract. <laughs> but remember, I was only forty-nine yeah. at the time. Yeah. And what's funny is in three weeks, I'm going to be 70. Yeah. So. And you're a hottie, though. You're no gnome. So <laughs> I totally understand. I'm short as a gnome, but I'm no gnome. Right. No. <laughs> so anyway, I kept going and um, I started dating this cop who was going also, who had never been married. And Charlie came as, as a speaker one day and um, he tried to get me into his support, into his uh, workshop. I didn't want to because I was living on Long Island in New York and his workshop was in Brooklyn, New York, which I had never been to. And I was paying child support and I'm like, no, 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 I can't afford it. It's too far, blah, blah, blah. What kind of workshop was it? It was a workshop uh, called, uh, that I did at the time to build my uh, therapy practice called The Relationship Shop. It was a six-week course on dating skills for singles. And so I went to the Y to lecture and got all their names and, and phone numbers. I followed up like to call, say, you want to do my workshop? And uh, it was funny when she said, no, I, I don't want to go to Brooklyn. It's too far. And <laughs> she spent the next 20 years in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was quite funny, but then uh, so we we started dating on uh, July 29th, two thousand. Nice. So best uh, missed out client opportunity ever, right? <laughs> right. That's right. I can't believe you didn't just gift her the workshop, Charlie. Come on. I know, right? But you <laughs> the Brooklyn anyway. But he gifted me something else. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> 
on our first date. Oh, don't tell that story. Oh, yeah. Tell it. Tell it. Tell it. On the first date, after dinner and after we walked, etc., it was midnight and he kissed me at midnight under his little uh, chandelier. And he said, would you like to take a shower with me? And then he said, <laughs> would you like to want me to wash your hair? <laughs> Who could resist? Oh, my God. Those are advanced moves, Charlie. It, it was the single slickest move <laughs> I had ever made in my life. And I never offered to wash any woman's hair in the shower before. But I just felt moved to do so. And I didn't do it to get her into bed because... Oh, yes, you did. Shelly keeps it real. Shelly keeps it really real. (laughs) Funny because, you know, in the singles workshops that I gave, I always give the standard advice, you know, don't sleep with the the guy on the first date. And here I was, you know, trying to like supersede this (laughs) advice. You know, so don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> You're like, no, you guys don't try to sleep with anyone on the first day. I am gonna, I'm gonna do it. You guys don't do it. I'm the expert. Exactly. <laughs> but my attitude was, I'm 49 years old. I'm not looking to get married. I'm not looking to have kids. What's the worst that'll happen? He won't call me again? Okay, big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to say fucking on this podcast? Yes. So, yeah, so we slept together on the first date. And um, uh, as you see, it's been a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> when did you know you were in love, each of you? It took him for our, till our Another first... embarrassing story. <laughs> it took him till our first anniver- anniversary of our first date... I knew I was kind of in love with him by, we started July 29th. By October, by November, I kind of knew that Uh this was special. He waited until July 29th, (laughs) 2001. We had tripped on, we were tripping on mushrooms in (laughs) Wildwood, Wildwood, New Jersey. And we were having, it was like right after sex and he turned over to me and he says, I love you. And I'm like, oh my God, I burst out crying. Oh, oh. but you're also like, what took you so long? <laughs> Charlie, what took you so long? I'll tell you what took me so long. It was, my heart knew the first night, but my head did not. Uh, Shelly, and this story is all documented in the book. I was looking for somebody, for something else. I thought Shelly would just be, frankly, a good time. My intentions were not the highest with her. I thought she'd be a good time, a, a good time, and I could have a good time. I was looking for a serious relationship, and I thought, based on my first marriage, based on my past uh, love affairs. History. On my dating history, I thought a good relationship meant that I had to be with somebody who, uh, where the whole relationship was about hard work mm-hmm. and struggle. Drama. And drama. <laughs> uh, that that's the price I had to pay to have a relationship. 
to have a, a, a woman in my life, to, have, to be loved and to have sex and all that good stuff. And so with Shelly, she wasn't satisfying my need for drama. She wasn't satisfying my need for deep, intellectual, psychologically sophisticated or uh, conversations about sexual politics or anything else. All she was doing was making me happy. I thought, okay. What a bitch. So, yeah, really. <laughs> it was diabolical, actually. Was diabolical. Yeah, read a book, Shelly. Jesus. Yeah, really. So, <laughs> so I, 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 I thought to myself in my head, you know, which is where I, I live most of the time, and which is why I get into so much trouble in my, in, in my head. It's in my head that I get into trouble, like many of us. Uh, the reason why it took me so long to tell Shelly I loved her was because I didn't know in my head what my heart had learned the first night, uh, which was that I was hopelessly and helplessly in love with her. But in my head, which is what I listened to too often, uh, it was saying that I couldn't possibly be in love because Shelly wasn't meeting my criteria for a serious relationship, which for me at the time meant based on my history, somebody who uh, was uh, presented me with challenges and struggles mm -hmm. and drama and heartache from the beginning. I thought that's what a relationship was about. I thought that was the price I had to pay to have all the goodies of a relationship. And with, with Shelly, it was just easy. All she was doing was making me happy. Uh, and I thought, well, that couldn't be love. That must, that must just be fun and maybe joy, but it couldn't be love. And good sex. And good sex. <laughs> Charlie, do you find that in your practice, like people's own preconceived notions of like what their relationship should be or who, like, does that get in the way a lot? Yes, it does. How do you unprogram that? Well, for one thing, it's it's an awareness process in, in therapy. So somebody has to become aware that they have this pattern. How does it manifest? By the people they choose. If you want to know what your pattern is in uh, the, the romantic partners that you choose, make a list of all of them and list all their uh, positive qualities and characteristics and all their negative qualities and characteristics and you'll begin to decipher a pattern. And we all have our patterns, we all do. And it usually has something to do with uh, one, of the, uh, one of our primary caretakers when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it seems like in your description of Shelley that she brought kind of a joie de vivre to your life that almost seemed like too easy and suspicious. Right. Is she the one that brought drug use in a fun way into your life like did she turn you on or were you a square i was an innocent straight laced pure no no it's the other quite, way around isn't it quite the opposite yeah. yes okay um, tell me tell me i was uh well i was an old hippie. he corrupted me yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was an old hippie. She had not so much as finished a joint in her life by the time she met me. And um, <laughs> she found out that I was uh, a psychonaut, that is somebody who experiments with psychedelic substances, 
uh, she uh, wanted to... Uh, I wanted to spread my wings. Yeah. I was ready. You were just telling us about your one-year anniversary, and you guys were tripping shrooms. So, like, when did you turn Shelly out? <laughs> and Yes. Other than pot which I really hadn't smoked much, but we found that pot was great for sex. My very first real psychedelic experience was mushrooms. And it was in his apartment. It was in October or November, something like that. Of the first year. Of the first year of 2000. And it was a little scary because I, I had no clue what to expect and what's funny is after taking the mushrooms nothing happened so he had me smoke a little pot and all of a sudden boom (laughs) there i was i was in a cathedral with tiles like from from a bathroom and i was like really small Tiles are the best. And again, I had never had it before, so I didn't know what to expect. Later on, whenever I closed my eyes, I got scared. I kept feeling like I was being pulled under, underground, under the earth. And he he kind of supported me, said, don't worry. And I was fine. So, you know, I couldn't have, I didn't have a bad trip. It was just in something new. Charlie, were you tripping at the same time and were being her guide at the same time? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was so experienced that by then that, you know, I could do, I, I, I could guide her. Uh, and it was a fairly moderate dose. So, um, but uh, at a later time, Shelley decided that she wanted to try ecstasy, which was what MDMA was called at the time. And uh, that's when things really started popping. Charlie, had you already done MDMA at that point, or was this new for both of you? I had done it and I had put it behind me. I didn't, this was like, we're talking about like 2001. I didn't know about the protocols at the time for safe use. So I had had some negative experiences. I didn't know about hydrating. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's so essential. Right. I didn't know about 5-HTP or how to sleep it off or, or, or not to mix it with alcohol. I didn't know any of that stuff, that basic stuff. So I had sworn it off. But when Shelly came to me and said she wanted to try it, I thought, okay, I'll find some for her and I'll guide her through it. And then I decided to, oh, I'll try it again with her. And by this time I knew a little more about these protocols and guidelines. Uh, so, uh, then we had our first MDMA experience together, and uh, it was so profound that, uh, I mean, it turned into Shelley's drug of choice uh, within minutes. And, well, what do, you, what do you think? Tell us about your first time. Yeah, tell us about the first time. We want to know all the details. <laughs> well, the first time was not sexual because... I was going through menopause. Oh, interesting. And I had gone five months without a period. So I'm like, great. And then the weekend that we were going to go away, I got it again. So it was all sensual. And MDMA usually isn't a sexual drug anyway. 
Usually. Usually. <laughs> but we have more to say about that. But anyway. So my kids had told me that when I first told my kids about it, my son, who loves it, told me to hold out my arm and close my eyes, which I did. We were at a dinner somewhere for my birthday or something. He wasn't and high at the time. No, we were, we were at a dinner. Right, right. I closed my eyes and he just lightly touched my arm like that. And it was like, whoa, okay. So I spent the whole afternoon after, after it came on, just touching myself, nothing sexual, just my body, my face. That was the most wonderful experience, touching oh, yeah. your face. And I even wanted to touch his face. I said, you have to feel this, but he wasn't ready. So I just continued, you know, touching my face, touching my arms, <laughs> just listening to music. Then as it started coming, I started coming down and it had gotten dark. We were at a, at his friend's house and the friends had gone away for the, they loaned us their house for the weekend. Upstate New York. Upstate New York. And it was summer. So, um, and then a gentle rain outside. Yeah. And I said, I want to go out naked. They had a backyard. Nobody could see. It was dark. So I went out naked, just kind of squished around in the, in the grass. And it was amazing. And I knew this is my drug. This is my choice. <laughs> and, you know, mushroom has its, has its own thing. Acid has its own thing. And in between, we had done one acid trip. But this was user-friendly. I didn't feel paranoid. I was clear-headed. And that's what I like. Mm -hmm. And it just feels so damn good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How was coming down the first time when you, like, feel that suddenly the drain of that serotonin? Aww. <laughs> That's all I felt like, aw. But I knew it was something special and something almost sacred. That it's not to be abused. It has its use for certain things. In fact, can I say what happened this weekend? What happened this weekend? This past week. Oh, when we were in, in Mexico, you mean? Yeah. Uh, sure. Okay, so... <laughs> I have a weight issue. I've always had a weight issue. And this past week, we went to an all-inclusive. Now, every, every time we go away to wherever we go, we always have a trip within a trip. Usually it's MDMA because it's the easiest. Mm -hmm. And while we were away in Mexico, he went to get a massage. And I listened to hypnosis for weight loss. And while like totally flying on MDMA, totally up there, major, major trip, you know? Mm -hmm. And after I came down, I'm like, wow. And that was, we came home on this past Saturday. Sunday, I listened to hypnosis. Monday, I listened to, I found this woman on Monday. She's Australian. I love her voice. Hypnosis for weight loss. So I've listened Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. 
She recommends listening seven days. I've already lost about three pounds. Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah, it is. I figured if MDMA can be used for PTSD, why not something like this? And now it, obviously it's not a one-time thing. You have to do more work on it, mm-hmm. but it really worked for me. Like you feel like you were able to tap in at another level and like go deeper into your subconscious or something? Yes. I don't know if anybody's ever really done it for that, for weight loss. But um, I mean, for me to get, I got on the scale today and I'm like, whoa, (laughs) I haven't been this slow in a while. And I'm eating normally. I'm eating what I usually eat, but I'm not eating a lot. Nice. So, yeah. That's fascinating. Let's talk about the benefits. Let's unpack that a little bit more because, I mean, I was even reading, you guys said it helped you work on forgiveness, empathy, self-confidence, oh, yeah. all these things. And I want to know, like, how? <laughs> how? Well, MDMA is, uh, I mean, you mentioned serotonin before, and I want to uh, just let you know that we've had 70 roles at uh, least at least in, in in our time together over the last 20 years and we've never suffered from what you call the tuesday blues we've never had a dip in the serotonin levels in, in a way that has has hurt us uh but and i i can go into why but i want to know why you want to know why? Um, we we follow the protocols uh, very, very closely. We not only stay hydrated, we take 200 milligrams of 5-HTP, which is an over-the-counter, uh, you can get it at any, any uh, CVS or whatever. Uh, we, we take that the night, uh, the, the night of, right at bedtime, and the following night too. And we sleep it off. I'll get like at this age, I'm <laughs> um, 71 now. I, I, I get like 10, even 11 hours of sleep that first night, and Shelly sleeps it off also. Sometimes the first night or with naps or, or, or whatever. Naps. And and we're gentle with each other, with, with ourselves the next day. There's no big commitments the next day. We'll never do it on a Sunday where I have to go to work the next day. It's always on a Saturday or, or you know, or in the middle of a vacation. Uh, so we always respect the power of the medicine. Never mix it with alcohol or anything like that. The only drug we'll ever mix it with is, is cannabis. And that will usually only be towards the end of, mm-hmm. of the role. Uh, and we have found, by the way, that if you mix cannabis when you're coming down from MDMA, those of the male persuasion <laughs> can uh, perform, especially with the help of a little ED medication. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and then we engage at the end of our role in what we can call with the, with the MDMA and, and the cannabis, what I like to call sextasy, uh, because uh, we then have a shall we say climactic end <laughs> to, the, uh, to the to the role and have a uh, a blast in in bed and that's that's the way we we end the role that's amazing that's a good way to come down so but yeah. what about these more like esoteric things or like forgiveness something like that like how do you i'm for it 
How are you? Yeah, me too. <laughs> How is MDMA helping you do that? I never worked on it per se. Like I worked on the weight loss thing. But over the years, I got to realize that my mom left her house when she was 18. She had me at 20. And I spoke to my, my aunt and she said that my mother was miserable. And if you look at pictures, she's never really smiling. So I felt sorry for her. And I had to forgive her for, you know, this, she had a, a hard life before she met my dad. My dad loved her to pieces, but I don't think, I don't think she could really appreciate that because of her upbringing. And yeah. I forgave her for the way she treated me. Which was pretty harsh. Yeah. But the MDMA helped with that. Yep. It helped me get that it wasn't my fault. And it really wasn't her fault. It was just circumstances. Mm -hmm. And with my ex-husband, I realized that, first of all, because I was very insecure and I felt at the age of 30, I had to get married, which I got from my family, you know, back in this, in the late seventies, you know, I'm almost, I'm 30 years old. My God, you have to get married. You have to have kids. And um, with my ex-husband, I kind of feel sorry for him. He was the one that everybody relied on and, uh, He's he's Israeli. He came from a big family. In a very macho culture. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not angry at him anymore. We can actually talk. So it seems like it's empathy. That's what it lets you tap into. That's the thing. Mm, that's I was going to say. Yes, yeah. yes. MDMA helps. Uh, and again, we've done it uh, about 70 times. And so um, it has a cumulative effect. And MDMA opens the heart. And uh, it's really more accurately classified, not as a psychedelic, but as an empathogen. It deepens feelings of empathy and compassion. And so I think that's what helped Shelley. Yeah, I was fascinated to read that wasn't the drug initially called empathy? It was, yes. Uh, when it first came out, Sasha Shulgin started giving it to therapists in Northern California in the 70s, and the therapists started giving it to their couples. And, they, and the therapist said, this, this drug is called empathy. Uh, and I look forward to the day as a psychotherapist myself that I, that I can give it to my couples legally. Uh, I don't do this uh, now, but uh, I look forward to the day I can do it because I can do six months or a year's worth of therapy in a day. That's incredible. So where do things stand with that now? Does it look like that could happen on the horizon anytime soon? And how has it made you, even though you can't prescribe it to your couples, how has it made you a better psychotherapist just taking the drug? Well, it, it's made me a better therapist because of uh, it's deepened my capacity for empathy and compassion uh, and to really understand what it's like to be in my client's shoes. Uh, and I prefer the term client to patient. Uh. Uh, and so, because client is more of an equal footing than, you know, doctor and patient. Mm. So it's helped deepen my, my ability to empathize and to present 
and set up in the, th in the, in the consulting room to give that set and setting, to, to, to give a setting of the type of safety that I want to provide the client that I feel on MDMA, uh, that type of sense of safety and, and well-being so that their defenses can drop and they can open up. And where's the legality now? And do you think you'll be able to use it in your practice? Yes, I look forward to the day, and the day is not far off. Uh, the, the current research is in phase three. They're having fabulous results with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and MDMA, practically curing PTSD for people. And so at the current rate of progress, it, the FDA will uh, make it a prescription medication by 2023. Oh, wow. Wow, that's soon. That's great. So of course that's something that everyone here in the community looks forward to, and um, so uh, and that's on the federal level. So MDMA is going to be the first such medicine to cross the finish line on a federal level and become legal. Dope. That's incredible. Hey Sophia, have you met your G spot? Um, is it between the F spot and the H spot? I don't know if those are medically correct terms, but yes, it's that <laughs> mysterious little area that is said to hold the secret to toe curling orgasms and hey, even squirting. And hot tip, oh my G, is my current favorite internal sex toy that will introduce you to this special part of you. Yes, I love the Oh My G. It is so stealthy, it's super silent, and it is the best internal G-spot massager for bodies with a vagina. Right? That unique massaging pearl mimics the come hither motion. It moves up and down to stimulate a tongue perfectly lapping away. It's the exact same motion if you're using your fingers to hit the spot, only a lot less work and 10 times better. You know what I always say, Cokes? Come harder and smarter. Yeah, you have to. The Oh My G is so quiet that you can literally do it next to your husband who may be asleep because he had a really long day at work, but you are really awake and could really use some G-spot attention. Story of my life. Yeah, and it has three intensity levels, allowing you to choose the intensity of your orgasm. And even on its highest setting, it's quiet. And it is so easy to control. Most toys have a traditional curve, but the Oh My G has a sleek C shape, which makes it really easy to directly and precisely massage your G spot. Plus you can store Oh My G without worrying that someone will find it. It comes with a little cloth pouch and it's shipped in discreet exterior packaging. Plus, the Oh My G is made with 100% body-safe, FDA-approved silicone. It's a must-have for any toy collection, especially if you enjoy internal stimulation. And a fun bonus, it can also function as a wonderful external clit stimulator. Ooh, gotta love that two-for-one. Yeah, I vouch for that. Really works for that. <laughs> <laughs> And right now, Oh My G is offering private parts unknown listeners 30% off when you go to iobatoys.com and enter code PRIVATE at checkout. That's iobatoys.com and use promo code PRIVATE to get 30% off your Oh My G. That offer is also included in our episode description. iobatoys.com, code PRIVATE. Shh, I'm coming. <laughs> 
As Courtney mentioned before, one of the things that's helped you work on is confidence. Can you like give an example of how MDMA helps with that? Well, like I said before, uh, uh, Sophia, th that I spend too much time in my head and MDMA balances me, mm. has me more focused in my body and in my heart and gets me out of my head where I get into all this trouble, all this worrying and fret and doubt, self-doubt, which is one of the the monkeys in the in uh, that chatter away in, in, in one's mind, certainly in my mind. And so with MDMA, it's helped me realize that just as one might realize from a meditation practice, that thoughts are just that. They're thoughts. They're not necessarily real. And they don't necessarily point to any reality. They're just thoughts. And so MDMA experiences have helped me alter my relationship to my thoughts so they don't have to believe everything I think, including all these doubting voices inside my head. So I could start understanding that uh, 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 I really have good reason to have confidence and to believe in myself, especially after all these years of, of, of experience. I love that. Well, as if on cue, New York City is bustling outside your yes. apartment, <laughs> your place. Right. So Sorry. it has kind of tapped you guys into this community, right? Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been exposed to? Also, I read a little bit about a play party. I was like, holy shit. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> we well. got to know all the scandalous details. <laughs> so, let me say that, that uh, the book, uh, Listening to Ecstasy, is really, I wrote it as, a, as a, a love story, as an adventure story about how <laughs> two people in the early 2000s ventured into a forbidden world of drug users here in New York City <laughs> and found that world to be enchanted. Uh, we met people who were drawn to these psychedelic medicines and found that these people were the, in school in the D.A.R.E. program. And uh, when I was growing up, we, we were taught that the people who go with, with drugs, they're the wrong crowd. Mm -hmm. They're the people who will get you into trouble with the law get the, uh, and, and lead you down the road of, to depravity. <laughs> we found that these people are really the right crowd. These people are the most wonderful people you'd ever want to meet. They've become our best friends yes. over the years. And so they're open-hearted, open-minded, smart, and, uh, and, and explorational. And they have these values of exploring and diversity and, and being open to, uh, to new and exciting ideas, whether they be social and political ideas or sexual ideas or, or what have you. So this community was a revelation to us. And... Uh, uh, we uh, we learned how much the community opened us up to to not only to friendship but to fun and and freedom and we learned that uh, freedom play fun joy can be transformative experiences and, and we, age is not an issue right we're we're like the oldest people but they love us and we love them like i got an, a text from somebody yesterday that she and i are into minions the you know the yellow minions 
right? The, the movies, right? Yeah. And bananas! <laughs> so her husband, she sent me a text, her birthday's coming up, and her husband sent her flowers with a minion balloon. And she sent it to show me, because we bonded on one of the things we bonded on. And my birthday's coming up this same month, this month. And I'm, she's going to be 50 and I'm going to be 70. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. But we, you know, we bond and, and she's amazing. We love having fun with them. Yeah. So age is just a number. It really is. And the great thing about the psychedelic community is that we're in the, the mainstream culture. I don't know how it is where, where you folks live, but here in New York City, age is a liability. Um, there's really a, an apartheid between, and it's unspoken, between those who are old, older like us, 50s, 60s, 70s, and younger people. But in the psychedelic community, we're looked up to as elders mm -hmm. and respected, and, and people want to, uh, want to know us. So that's, that's mm -hmm. really very beautiful for us. And by doing these podcasts about sex, it shows that... There's no such thing as once you hit a certain number, there's no more sex. I love that. Right. As a matter of fact. You guys are having more sex than anybody we know. Well, I don't know <laughs> if we're having more. We're certainly having better sex than we've ever had. And we've had great sex all along. Uh, but uh, here, you know, I mean, together we're 140 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're having sex like, uh, like uh, as if we were each thirty years old. Well, when we when I went through menopause, one day we had a talk about it and saying how sad we were that you know things are probably going to change. Yeah, they changed for the better. And that's because nice. uh, that's because we found a magic ingredient for her. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not MDMA. That's something else. That's well, can you tell us? Yeah, I think we can. Cannabis, cannabis and hash Amen. and hash. Yeah. It worked for me as a noise-canceling oh. headphone. Yeah. Um, Cancels I, the noise in your head. Can, yep. Yeah. Uh, if my daughter or son had called me with all their shit, I don't think about it. And actually, every now and then, I will think about it. So I'll say give me a minute and I'll go out and take a little more. I have to take edibles. I cannot take, I cannot use vape anymore. Mm -hmm. So so I tell him, if you want to have sex, give me an hour. So I take an edible and it works. That's awesome. It works like a charm. She's like a pack of firecrackers in bed. <laughs> it's like, I can't keep up with I'm her. shocked. I'm shocked how sexual I've become and how I miss it when we don't have it. And because with my ex, I guess because I was not madly in love with him the way I'm madly in love with this guy here, it was more of a chore. Mm. And now it's like we we just we take the time and we set up the, the room and the music, everything's perfect. Candles and yeah, everything's perfect. So it's just uh, beautiful. That's all I can say. This is so awesome. That's so great. Sophie and I are big potheads, to be totally honest. I mean, it's an incredible drug. I think it's a panacea, so. Yeah. I really only use it for sex. 
Interesting. Um, yeah, I save it because, well, with MDMA, for example, we found that the less we use it, mm -hmm. the better it is. So the same for me with pot. If I save it for once a week or twice a week, usually yeah, once or yeah, once or twice a week, and I'm I have more edibles than I'll ever need probably for the rest of my life. It's special, and it really helps me just concentrate on my body and my feelings and what helps me. A funny story about about sex when we, we were just in an all-inclusive and it was adults only. So when we first got there, I don't know, he was unpacking or whatever. And I started playing with the remote control on the TV <laughs> and they had a hundred chat, 99 channels. So I'm going one channel at a time, just seeing what in Mexico they watch. Channel 97, 98 and 99, all porn. <laughs> hot, watching it. Only a little bit. You were getting hot on that. <laughs> so dosage-wise, you guys are at like how many times a year? Uh, well, now it's like five? five or five times a year generally. Yeah. Okay. That that way it it, it keeps its magic for us. Yeah. In Mexico, I used a hundred. But then after about two hours, I'm like, nah, it's not doing it for me. It popped an extra 20, brought me right up. Right. The standard dose is 120. So who shouldn't do this? <laughs> I mean, it sounds amazing. You guys are really selling it. I have loved my experiences on MDMA, but just as a precautionary yes. measure... I'm glad you brought that up, Courtney. First of all, I need to say that I am not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice. And what works for us might not work for anyone in your audience. We're all different. Uh, I, I, the last chapter of Listening to Ecstasy is a guide to safe use. And in that guide, I talk about maximizing the benefits, minimizing the risks, and, and, and list the, the, the uh, conditions where one should not do it, because it's not for everyone. Uh, if one is epileptic, one should not do it. If one is pregnant, you shouldn't do MDMA. If you have a history of bipolar disorder, oh. you shouldn't do it because it could spark a manic episode. Uh, actually, if you have uh, bipolar disorder in your family history, um, you probably shouldn't do MDMA. Even if you're medicated for bipolar or you have bipolar too, asking for myself. <laughs> you know, that's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. There is a danger that it could spark a, a, a manic episode. If you're medicated, uh, you would have to speak to, uh, to your, your, your MD who knows about MDMA. Or you could write uh, to Julie Holland, who's a psychiatrist and has written a book about ecstasy and, and she, she would know the answer. So, the, so it's not for everyone. If you have a heart condition where um, uh, very high blood pressure or, or a heart where you've suffered, you know, heart attacks and a wounded heart uh, muscle, uh, you shouldn't not do Remember, MDMA. it's speed. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a kind of amphetamine. It's actually methylene dioxymethamphetamine. It's different from amphetamine. It's it's certainly much more 
a pleasant experience than than uh, than methamphetamine, and it's not addictive, uh, but it is uh, a stimulant. And so, uh, if you have bad experiences with stimulants, you should not do it. I love the the call for like if those things don't apply to you. I mean, the all ages kind of aspect of it. Like we live in LA and well, people- not underage people. Not underage people. But I guess I'm mostly speaking to older people because I, I feel like that it's the same as it probably is in New York. In LA, like you hit a certain age and you're like, oh, I'm on the other side of whether it's sex or drugs or whatever, like you feel like maybe it's not for you. So what is your message to boomers? My message to boomers is reawaken, please. (laughs) Your best years are not only behind you, they're ahead of you. Uh, And again, it's not for everyone, but these two boomers that you're talking to here have found it to be like a fountain of youth actually, and has gotten us back in touch with the vitality that we knew 20, 30, 40, and 50 years ago. And it's astounding what it has done for for us individually and as a couple. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I feel like the older that I get, I like love stories of older people thriving because it's like, we're all going there and hopefully it rocks. So (laughs) exactly. Yes, Uh, and, and the problem isn't aging. Uh, it, the problem in this culture is ageism. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just Attitude. like yeah, it's just like race. The, the problem in the culture isn't isn't being a certain race. It's it's racism. That's the mm-hmm. problem. And ageism is 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 the problem. It's the attitudes that people have towards older people, and the attitudes that older people can have about themselves that can be debilitating. Yeah, we throw away older people in a way that's really shameful. When in a lot of other cultures, they're revered. <laughs> Don't you dare throw me away. I ain't ready. I won't throw you away. <laughs> you guys are so cute. You are adorable. Do you have any final thoughts for us or anything else you want to share about your experience? Well, um, I mean, we could talk all day about this, as you see. Um, I do want to say that... Uh, uh, the book is available on Amazon. It's available. You can also go on the Simon & Schuster website. Anywhere. Anywhere and, the books are sold. And punch in uh, Listening to Ecstasy and, uh, and, and you'll find the book. And, and it'll be coming out on Audible hopefully this month. On the audio version in March, yes. Uh, so uh, it's been a thrilling ride. To, I mean, we get to meet folks like the two of you who are doing this wonderful work. Uh, for 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 people, you're really doing a, a service, uh, and we get to meet people from. We've been interviewed from all over the world, and uh, it's been a, just a wonderful ride for for the two of us. He has groupies from Australia that say, "Come visit us." <laughs> <laughs> They're your groupies too, Shelley. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I I wish you the best. I hope you guys keep rolling for decades to come. This is amazing. (laughs) Yes, thank thank you you so much. And please keep us updated with your adventures. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Courtney and Sophia, so much for- Thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
you guys, that was amazing. I felt like I just rolled my face off. <laughs> Seriously, I am so thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody touch me. I don't care where, just touch me. <laughs> Let's rub up against each other, Courtney, over Zoom. I, I need it. <laughs> That was so cool. And I really wish we spent more time as a society experimenting with MDMA than we have with stuff like, I don't know, what's the dumbest shit we've spent the most money on? Just getting dicks hard, I guess. War. Oh. Can yeah, we take the right. war budget and just put that into <laughs> MDMA bullets? You were thinking bigger. I was just thinking in the sexual realm, I guess. Oh, gotcha. Or in the drug realm. It's like when I used to read... Tim Leary's book about all mm -hmm. of the psilocybin experiments and stuff and about how they got such a bad rep even though they were doing so much good. I know. And they got shut down and it, this is exactly that kind of thing. But the good news, 2023, finna be lit. <laughs> yeah, it's not that far away. And Charlie has an interesting kind of little breakdown in the book of like, what he thinks are good drugs and what he thinks are bad drugs. And it's like backward from the way that our culture teaches us. So I highly recommend you guys get the book, Listening to Ecstasy. I mean, if you enjoyed their interview, you will love the book because Charlie is also such a delightful writer. So it's a treat, really. And if you really enjoyed this episode. Now would be the perfect time to give us a rating and a review. So go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. Give us those five stars. Tell us you like the MDMA episode. Tell us the five stars and the review are really just for Charlie and Shelly. That's okay. We'll pass it on. We'll pass it on. <laughs> and if you guys love this episode, of course, we have more coming at you where that came from. We have more comedians of OnlyFans. Just a ton of fun stuff. So stay tuned. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb ass music? This music is by our friend Amy Rosh. You should find her on Spotify. Her last name's spelled R-A-A-S-C-H. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We love, love you, Mike. you. Ma, 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 Mike. EDM edition, totally appropriate. <laughs> That's right. I'm Skrillex up in this bitch. <laughs> and now it's time for... The review of the week. I really got into it. <laughs> it's, a really good, it's a really good review. I had to get into it. This review is by Jay Generic five stars and it says Sophia and Courtney are funny and good about talking about sex that is neither pandering nor boring Ooh, great compliment they shifted the show from a travel show talking about sex to talking to all sorts of comics during a pandemic only fan stars and much more without missing a beat do yourself a favor and listen to this podcast Aww, that's such a good review thank you thank Again, you you want to be as cool as Jay Generic Leave us a review, honey. Ratethispodcast.com slash private. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash private. And you guys, 
Let's keep the conversation going after the show. Yes, we'll take your rating and review, but also we would love to interact with you guys on the social meds. So we are at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram. We are at Private Parts Un on Twitter. And your girl Cokes over here is on Instagram at Courtney Kosak, last name K-O-C-A-K. See you there. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TheSophia, S-O-F-I-Y-A. And don't forget to download my stand-up album, Father's Day, anywhere that you download stuff. See you guys next time. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.